0: is from Matthew chapter 17, first 13 verses, and as, as Graham mentioned, today we're going to be talking a bit about confusion, and uh, it has been confusing for some when I tell them that my dad's name is Steve DeBoer, this Steve DeBoer from the bridge is not my dad, <laughs> If you see a guy walking around today who looks exactly like me, but about 30 years older, (laughs) that's him. (laughs) So let's jump to Matthew chapter 17. This is Jesus' transfiguration. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. ...and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters... One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came. And touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them. Don't tell anyone what you have seen. Until the son of man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him. Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come. They did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. This is the word of the Lord. Every once in a while, unexpectedly extraordinary things happen in our lives. Whether it's an announcement that you didn't see coming, like an engagement or a pregnancy, or the twist ending in, in a movie or a book, a story, or it's an incredible sports play. It shocks the other team, shocks the audience, and it wins the game. These are the kinds of things that make us gasp and shout. Kind of like this. Maybe some of you uh, are, are familiar with Joe Rogan. He was the guy in the middle there. He's a color commentator for the UFC. He's, he's got an incredibly popular podcast. And I'm not necessarily the biggest fan or promoter of Joe himself, but he's got all kinds of these hilarious images of him and those, and those commentators doing these outlandish reactions. Like, I don't know what they just saw, Whatever it is, I'm assuming it was shocking and amazing. Like they're grabbing at each other, they're shouting, they they just lose control of their bodies. Like, what are we watching? What just happened? What are we looking at? And it's a bit of a caricature, but that's sort of how you might imagine Peter, James, and John, seeing Jesus in the transfiguration. And rightfully so, I think. Listen to how Jesus is described here in verses 2 and 3. There Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as the light. And just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with him. So you got this. Familiar, humble Jesus, who all of a sudden starts shining bright as the sun, blinding to look at. This is a Jesus who isn't hiding his holy glory anymore. And then Moses and Elijah just appear with him, and then they're mid-conversation, talking about who knows what. This is... Two of the most notable men in all of Israel's history. They're the embodiment of the law and the prophets. Moses himself wrote the first five books of the Bible called the law. And he delivered the law to the Israelites at Mount Sinai. And then Elijah is considered one of the greatest, if not the greatest prophet that the Israelites ever had. And as was mentioned in the passage, he is supposed to return at some point, and this is going to mark the coming of the Messiah. Try putting yourselves in the disciples' shoes for a minute in this scene. How many of us would be asking that same exact question? What are we looking at? Peter, James, and John are completely dumbfounded. James and John don't say or do anything, as far as we can tell, but Peter, classic Peter, has an idea. And Peter's ideas, and his running mouth, often get him in trouble. So this is Peter's not so great idea. Peter wants to build three tents. One for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now Matthew doesn't give any commentary on Peter's words here, but the same story is in the Gospels of Mark and Luke, and they have something to say. Mark says that Peter doesn't know what to say, and Luke says that Peter doesn't know what he was saying. So in essence, Peter's not-so-great idea is a bit of a word vomit, if you know what I mean. And it's impossible to say what's going through Peter's mind, probably a lot. But it seems like for some reason his mind went to the Feast of Tabernacles. He starts talking about building these shelters. Now this is one of three feasts that the Jews are supposed to celebrate every year. It's Advent right now. Think about Christmas. We have Christmas every year. This is how common the Feast of Tabernacles was for the Jews. It happens every year. So the Israelites would make these tents out of branches, and it would help them remember back when uh, God set them free from Egypt. They would live in these tents for a week. And it would also help them to look forward to a day when the kingdom of heaven would come. So it's possible that Peter saw the transfigured Jesus. He saw the embodiment of the law and the prophets, and his mind just went, "This is the fulfillment of the feast of tabernacles. The kingdom of heaven is here." I mean, we got to do something. Like those three commentators, Peter is is shocked and overwhelmed. It's like he lost control of how to think and what to do. He's just, I gotta do something. And this is a bit of a common problem for Peter. You see, in the chapter just previous to this one, in Matthew 16, Jesus describes Peter as both blessed and Satan. Peter means rock chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. And then only five verses later, Peter's trying to correct Jesus on something. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. It's clear that Peter is zealous to serve Jesus. He's excited. He's really high energy, which is a good thing, and makes him blessed. But sometimes Peter lets that zeal get the best of him, and he stops thinking about what Jesus wants, and he starts to get caught up in what he wants, He starts just doing things. And I think we're like Peter in so many ways. Peter's maybe a bit of a workaholic. We kind of like that about him. How many of us here think we're valuable because we accomplish things? We work really hard at our jobs. We get lots of stuff done around the house. We volunteer like crazy at the church. We go, go, go. We never stop. We love those kinds of people. And they help make places like this run. That's true. I don't want to undermine anyone for volunteering. We need lots of volunteers at this church. (laughs) However, my challenge for you is this. When's the last time you stopped doing and instead started listening? Are we sure that we're even doing what Jesus would do? Do we, even, do we fully understand what that really is? Are we just doing things because that's what we've always done? Or maybe we don't know what will happen if we, if we stop doing things. You might think, everyone's depending on me. I can't stop. Like, I can't even slow down. Or perhaps there are things in our lives that we don't want to confront. And we know if we just keep doing We just keep busy and we'll never have to think about that thing, whatever that is. Whether on purpose or not, I think we have taught that the best Christians are the people who do. But we're confused on that. There is no best Christian. There is Jesus. And then there's everyone else. And God quickly silences Peter. Peter doesn't get even a single second to try and enact his plan. God wants Peter to see that he's a little confused. He needs to slow down. Verse five, while he was still speaking, Peter still in the middle of talking, telling Jesus about his idea, a bright cloud covered them, bright like Jesus is bright. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. The father is lovingly rebuking. Peter here this is my son listen to him stop all of your doing without thinking stop all of this word vomiting stop trying to correct Jesus like you think that you know better than him just stop and listen This is how Jesus shows up. All three disciples are terrified by the voice. They fall down on their faces. This powerful and and confusing event has been a lot to take in. But now the voice is finally the thing that, that pushes them over the edge. And they fall on their faces whether they're bowing down in worship or they're curled up in the fetal position is hard to say. They are terrified. As the saying goes, you always fear what you don't understand. And in the middle of their fear and their confusion, Jesus shows up. Verse 7 says, Jesus came and touched them. He's right there. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. It's the same God whose voice brought them down on their faces in humiliation. is the same God that helps them stand back up. And verse 8 says, When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. It all went away except Jesus. The same Jesus that they had spent all this time traveling around with, whom they had grown to know and to love, this simple, kind Loving Jesus. There's no reason to be afraid of him. And yet if we think there were so many times that the disciples were afraid of Jesus. I'm sure you can think of a few. But but one that I want to point out is the fear that the disciples experience when Jesus appears to them after his resurrection. This is in part what Jesus is preparing them for. In the transfiguration. Peter, James, and John. Get a glimpse into the future. They get a glimpse into what Jesus. This Messiah, the Savior is going to do. They see Jesus. In this moment. In his holy. And resurrected bodily form. Before he has even died. But they still. They don't quite get it. Not yet. As Jesus and the disciples are coming down the mountain, Jesus instructs them in verse 9. Don't tell anyone what you have seen. Until the Son of Man, Jesus, has been raised from the dead. Now, I have wrestled with this, and I hear people wrestling with this concept Often, why would Jesus tell them to not say anything? Like, doesn't Jesus care about evangelism? Doesn't he want the gospel to spread? Isn't isn't that the point? Yes, of course, he cares about these things. But don't get ahead of Jesus. Stop doing. Start listening. The disciples don't get it yet. If they were going to go around and start telling people everything that Jesus was doing, they would have gotten it wrong. They were still missing the point. They were confused. So remember, the first century Jews are looking for a military Messiah who's going to overthrow uh, Rome and who is going to make Israel into a great nation. Once again, like King David. So if word starts spreading too quickly, that the Messiah has come, the people are going to start a riot. It's going to be violent. This is the opposite of what Jesus is accomplishing. He didn't come to set them free from the oppression of Rome. He came to set them free from the oppression of sin and death and pain and mourning and crying. And the disciples wouldn't understand that yet until Jesus had died and rose from the dead. The transfiguration isn't Jesus flexing his muscles. It's Jesus showing up and saying, I'm not here to do what you think I am. I know that's confusing, but you don't have to be afraid. I love you. I am right here. Jesus came to bridge the gap between God and man. So that despite our faults, despite our fears, despite our confusion, we might receive his love. You don't have to do anything to earn it, it's free, it's a gift. Recently, we, we just had a Mountain View leadership retreat. Council and the staff uh, had a weekend away. Our, our theme was from Matthew 11, verses 29 and 30. We took the time to look at that passage from the message. This is a, a simplified, a modern language version of the Bible. It can be helpful to look at the message to see passages in a new light. So here's some of the words of Jesus from the message that we looked at that weekend. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Are you like Peter, running around, doing thing after thing, but you still feel empty? Jesus has a better way to spend time with Him. God's kingdom doesn't depend on you, you are free. To stop, there's an invitation here to take time, listen, spend time with God. How is God's grace shaping who you are? Because we are so much more than just what we do. How is God's grace shaping the way you see yourself? your past, your present, your future? How is God's grace shaping the way that you see and you treat other people? Peter, James, and John were confused and terrified. But their fear... Their desire to do something, their desire to have all the answers to everything, that all went away when Jesus showed up. This glorious God, who shines more brilliantly than the stars that he himself spoke into existence. The God whose voice alone is enough to bring us to the ground in fear and trembling and humility is the God who showed up in the humblest of ways as a newborn baby. Weak, hungry, tired, He became one of us. Emmanuel, God became human. The Bible tells us that he was even tempted. But far more than any of that, he was beaten and mocked and crucified. He died a horrible death. And even more than that, he experienced God's just punishment against your sin so that you wouldn't have to. This same glorious Jesus showed up to die for you because he loves you. Don't be afraid. Amen. Let's pray together. God so often we find this world confusing. And we don't know why some things happen and we're seeking answers and sometimes we find ourselves just doing things and keeping ourselves busy and distracted. To so help us to find the strength to stop. And to listen for your voice. We know that you love us. And you're right here with us. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.